Hey guys, what's going on? This is Kim Delarosa, and you are listening to the Deep Magic Podcast, the place where we get super candid and real about how to balance mental health, wellness, and everyday living. And today, I have an amazing guest. Super, super pumped about this. I am here with Mariana Helena. She is an absolute badass scientist. I like to call her a badass scientist because I always do. So she's a scientist with a focus on gerontology. She is the CEO of Nate Health, which is a nutrition and wellness platform that has a mission to help improve the health and nutrition of people all over the world through scientific research and support. And she is just take the time out of her day to come here and sit with me and talk about a lot of different topics. So we're just going to get started. Mariana, thank you so much for joining me today. Hi, thank you for having me. I'm so excited. (laughs) Good. I'm glad. I'm glad. Thank you for your time. And I appreciate your support. I appreciate you taking the time to talk to everybody about, you know, this amazing, wide, vast information of health and wellness. (laughs) There's so much to unpack here. Oh, yeah, I know. Definitely. So I just wanted to like get started and jump the gun. So for a lot of people, they, they really have no sense of what gerontology is. But I know that you had majored in it. So you have a bachelor's degree in mm-hmm. science, and this is your major. And after researching, it's essentially a person who addresses the specific challenges of aging. And they're trying to figure out ways to promote the autonomy and find support and find a lot of research for the knowledge of aging to make sure that people can live longer and healthier lives. So I'm curious as to what inspired you to get into this field. So when I started school, I didn't really know what I wanted to do other than dietetics. And when I would go home on vacation from school, I would go see my grandma and my grandma was old. So I would help her and I would sit with her and talk with her. And I loved that. We formed a really deep connection And when dietetics didn't work out at college, I didn't really know what else to do. And I was thinking about everything that I like and what I'm good at. And I remembered my grandma and I thought, hmm, maybe I could go into gerontology. So that's kind of how it all started. Wow. So your grandmother was the one that inspired you to get into this field then? Yeah, she did. I mean, she unfortunately died a few years ago and I miss her every day. But she really did. She inspired me to try dietetics and she inspired me into gerontology. So thank you, grandma. I love you. (laughs) So just for my viewers, so what is specifically is dietetics and gerontology? How are they almost one in the same and how are they different? So dietetics is the study of nutrition and science of nutrition and food science. So that goes hand in hand with gerontology, which is the study of aging, as you said, from birth to death. And Everyone needs nutrition to be healthy, yeah? So you have to have good nutrition in order to live longer. So the two go hand in hand, essentially. Yeah, absolutely. And why is it so important, especially for people to find more knowledge, especially as they get older in the age? Because obviously, you know, as we get older, our body needs different type of vitamins and nutrition. And we, you know, a lot of things that our bodies are changing and they're always growing so we always need so why is it so important for people to spend the time to research knowledge like diet and like the environment and everything around because that's basically your essential you're you're essentially a researcher on the field trying to find out the best ways to make people live longer so why is it important especially when it comes to nutrition and diet 
Yeah. So as your body changes, it needs different nutrients to keep itself going. Like when you're younger, you need more protein and carbs so you can grow. And then as you get older, the need for those levels decreases and then your levels for micronutrient need increase. So as you age and change and grow, your body is constantly trying to maintain equilibrium. And that means you constantly need a different level of each and every nutrient the world has to offer. And if you don't keep up with this, you won't know in your body. It, it's not that it won't develop, but it won't grow correctly and healthily. And then you can start seeing health problems like cardiovascular disease or micronutrient deficiencies and things like that. So all of these, um, I was going to ask, so what are like the main things in your research that are the top things that are basically pivotal and vital for people to know in regards to their health? Is it, you know, their diet? Is it their heart? Is it their genes? Is it their genetics? Like what are the top things in your research when it comes to aging that is like the culprit of our health going on a downward spiral? It's totally our diet. I mean, the diet of the American people is so large. I mean, when you go out to eat, look at the portion sizes we get. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no one knows anymore how to eat in moderation. And it's it's not only the portion sizes, but it's it's the propaganda we're being seen every day and things that are fed into our mind in these fad diets. And so truthfully, I like to tell people, eat the rainbow. Mm. And I know it sounds cheesy, whatever, but when you eat the rainbow, you're eating every single nutrient that's out there because food of every, each color of food has a different nutrient in it. So if you eat all the colors, you're getting all the nutrients. Therefore, you will be wholesome and healthy because your body will have all the nutrients it needs. Oh, so yeah. I definitely say it's, it's diet. Yeah, definitely. And I do see that there is a massive, um, just pivotal underlying thing that is happening where we see a lot of people a lot of fast food places are very cheap they're very affordable whereas foods that are of high nutrition and of high quality are skyrocketing and expensive so what do you think is almost the culprit of that and why do you think it's so hard for people to kind of change the format in their minds of like, okay, let me try and save or look at this healthy option instead of going for like a burger and fries constantly. What do you think is the culprit when it comes to the mental health or at least the mindset of people that are like, uh, diet is whatever. I think I'm just gonna eat whatever I want and I'll be fine. So why do you think people are usually like that all the time? Well, there's two categories here. So we have the emotional aspect and then we have the financial aspect. And When you take a step back and think about the economy today and the job market and all the costs and inflation, everything is rising. And that means the cost of food is rising too. Mm -hmm. And for years, for as long as I've been alive, the main problem here has been healthy food costs more because there's more labor, like there's farming and there's production and all that stuff. And then fast food is cheaper because there's less involved and it's easier, like it's fast food and Mm. people can afford the fast food that's cheaper because of that. And then when, when it's time to get healthy, they can't afford it. Mm, Yeah. It's almost like a vicious cycle then in a way. It is. It really is. And then factoring. So there's that problem. And then that kicks in the emotional swing where it's like, Oh, 
like things are never going to get better. I'm just going to eat my problems. And then people eat and then it just spirals. It, it It's just a cycle that will not stop until something changes. So in your research, definitely food takes a big part when it comes to our emotions and our mental yeah. health, right? Huge part. And how come? Like in, in what way? So think about comfort food. Like, okay, what do you eat? If you're sad, what do you eat? Oh, yeah, you eat all the fat, (laughs) (laughs) all the the muffins and all the stuff. (laughs) Yeah, that's it right there. The depression rates in the United States are skyrocketing. Mm. We've had more more suicides than we've had in the past decade Mm. because of COVID, because of social media. And so people are eating their people are eating their emotions like they eat, like you just said. And then on top of that. They just, like, it spirals down and down and down. They eat, and then, like, their fat is a form of protection for mm-hmm. them. I, I read somewhere a long time ago in dietetics that people eat, and they feel protected by gaining more weight. But And then people will have eating disorders, so they'll eat, and then they'll make themselves get sick. Mm-hmm. And that's a, whole nother, that's a whole nother ballpark. But it just, it's out of control. Like, it's so sad. Yeah. So for people who want to start off this new year with a better diet or with better nutrition, but they're kind of very skeptical or they don't want to do this big leap. Because I also feel when I speak to people in regards to changing a diet is almost like changing a habit, right? So it's when you change a habit, it could be very scary, especially people assume that when you have to start this new lifestyle, you automatically have to implement all the things and start this program and be you know just be full on in but in reality sometimes of course life happens you know things get in the way or something happens so what simple steps or tricks or any type of information that you think people can start when it comes to changing their diet and their nutrition that isn't going to make them feel overwhelmed? Like what are some small everyday tips that they can just start with and it'll propel them into something bigger? It's really all about consistency. So when you're looking at a diet change, it is, it is scary. I mean, I had to go through it too. So I know it's really about doing it one small step at a time. So say for example, you've been diagnosed with diabetes. You need to cut back your sugar. You're not just going to go from eating sugar every day eating no sugar at all right like it's gonna take serious time so try the people could try cutting out every day eat one item less of sugar and just maintain that until it's not difficult and then once you do that add another out and another and another and it could take weeks and it could take months but consistency is what makes the biggest difference you'll ever see because you see the slow results over time yeah, and one another thing that I also wanted to take into consideration too is not even when it just co- to the food. Um, it's also with our like water intake. Like oh, there's yeah. so many people that I know that don't think that water is such a huge role when it. In fact, it's actually like lot like the water can be so impactful to mm-hmm. your mental and the physical body. So I just wanted to ask you, like, in your opinion, how much does even our drinking, like the liquids that we drink, yeah. how much does that influence like our mental health and our overall nutrition? It influences a lot because humans are supposed to drink 
I believe it's two liters of water every day. I know for I do not do that. I am not. <laughs> I'm not hydrated. Okay, people, I'm not hydrated. But that's what you should drink. That's the recommended daily intake of water. And actually, there is water in food. I don't know if you knew that, but there is like water in chips, water in bread. Ah. You know, people do get water from everyday food, but it's not enough as like drinking straight water. And so water is really good. It can clear up your skin. So it, it's good for your skin and your mental health studies have shown that it improves your cognitive function. Like it improves, like people can think clearly because when you're dehydrated, you, you're, you're dizzy and you can't think straight. So you can think more clearly. And when you can think more clearly, you make better decisions. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. Wow. That just, <laughs> no, that just kind of like threw me for a loop. The fact that you, we have water intake in our food. Like we would I know, never. I remember too. Yeah. Yeah. You'd never suspect that. But the fact never. that we do is just, wow, that's great. So, I know. and I noticed that there's like an immediate effect whenever we start something new with the body. Like, yeah. th- like, especially when we like change our diet and change this, um, but I've seen people go on that motivational thing of like, okay, I'm going to start this. I'm going to do this. And then they reach that level and all of a sudden they start to pull back and they go back to their old habits. So I'm yeah. wondering for you, with the re- why do you think people start but then they don't finish? Or why do you think people are afraid or aren't able to be consistent when it comes to changing like a diet? There's definitely not enough accountability out there. And it's really hard to hold yourself accountable. Like I, I have to have people hold me accountable for stuff because it's, it's really challenging. And I think people get daunted because they reach, they set goals that are too big. Mm. They try to take too big of a step more than they can reach. And when that happens, you get just completely overwhelmed and then you kind of shut down and you think, Oh my gosh, like it's way too much. I can't do this. And then they revert and revert and revert. And then they're back to square one. So I think, if people take things, take a smaller step and maybe have like a person just let them know, hey, like a really close friend say, hey, I'm trying to do this. Will you hold me accountable? Like check up on me and ask me how it's going just so there's someone else who's kind of in it with me because a lot of people feel alone. Mm, yeah, that is true. So when it comes to accountability, which is awesome, like this is a great segue, honestly, because I want to talk about Nate Health. So you're the CEO of this, and it's a great platform, which is basically like a startup app. And you even have an app, a startup app. So it goes through nutrition, education, and even has games. It has like a lot of empowerment stuff. So what was the inspiration when it comes to the Nate Help? Was it the accountability that you wanted, or was it just something much larger than that? It was way bigger than that, honestly. So when I started Nate Health, I won to change the way people view nutrition. I don't want people to see nutrition like a chore. Mm. I want people to actually care and actually be interested in it and actually enjoy the process of learning about it. Like think about think about if you have to like vacuum your house. If you just turn the vacuum on and it's you're just you and the vacuum, it's no fun. But turn some music on, put on some cool lights. Then it's a party, right? Ah, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So through the AI and interaction and engagement, I'm trying to turn the dull vacuum chore into a party in the house. 
or at the table, as I like to say. Yeah, definitely. Oh, I love that idea. I love that. So what another thing that I also love about Nate Health is that you have this amazing group of like, you have a great team, you also have like this great mission. So where do you see at least Nate Health in the future? Like, what are your goals? Absolutely to just see it in the long run? Like, how is it will this impact? So my dream for the company itself is I want a robotics lab. (laughs) I want a big building based in Rochester and I want it to have different components. Like I want part of it to be like a hospital, part of it to be like a gym and then the offices. And I really just want it to be, that's funny. I was just talking about this on my own podcast. I want it to build a community that has just a community, a strong core community of people that has trust and acceptance And where people can come, people, any race, any gender, anything, people looking to change their health, an all-inclusive environment, and they can come in and just bond and form a connection and learn and maybe work out together and just everyone coming together and improving their health. Yeah, I love that aspect. I love that community aspect because I think that's definitely a must when it comes to not even just changing habits, but just in wellness overall, like just to try to do a wellness or try to implement a new healthy lifestyle by yourself. And especially from personal experience, it is hard. It's very Mm -hmm. hard because motivation can only get you so far. And trying to be consistent, it's it's key. But having that extra help, having those people around or that resource to, you know, not to just keep you accountable, but to keep you excited about this journey and having it be fun instead of just looking at the end result and just enjoying the journey. Yeah. And it's enjoying the journey. That's, I couldn't have said it better myself. I mean, that's what I want. Like I want my community. I have to get used to saying that. (laughs) I want (laughs) community to enjoy the process. Like I, I think about like my community, like building my company. I've enjoyed almost every step of the way. And I want my community of Nate Health to feel the same way about their nutritional and lifestyle journey, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, And it makes total sense like to have this community because the more information you can get out there and the more people can help each other, the more the word will start to spread. Yeah, exactly. Wow, like this is so helpful and to just continue on with this. So I love that. I also want to talk about, um, I remember you mentioning, you know, robotics and AI. Oh my gosh, yes. Yes, and implementing that. So, which now we're starting to see, you know, from the Jet um, GPT and a lot of businesses are incorporating, you know, AI in their marketing or in their writing or just in the company in general. So, from your experience or from your research, how important or how much of an impact do you think robotics and AI are going to make in the wellness and health industry? Oh, insurmountable. I mean, there are so many different avenues that things with AI can go. So AI can be used to just help the job run along smoother and it can help diagnose You know, there are so many avenues and I think a lot of people are afraid Mm -hmm. of the AI because it's so powerful. I mean, Nate and Melody can talk to you like they you can have a conversation with them like you can like you're having a conversation with me. And that's scary to people like I get it. 
I totally get it. But it's it's also so exciting. Am I wrong? Like, it's so thrilling to think that in the future, maybe in a life we're not even in, but in, in a future somewhere, there will be a time when robots and humans work side by side, not against each other, but with each other to strengthen the community we're in and just to bring everyone together and help things run more efficiently and smoothly. Yeah, and I love that. And I also love that you brought up Melody because if, for people who don't know, Melody, she's your assistant, but she's also, you know, an AI. Yeah, she is. And oh my gosh, there's a whole bunch of stuff going on with her right now. Like, <laughs> she's an AI. Like she's Melody Health Class. So her name is actually an acronym like Nate's. Um, mindset, education, lifestyle, Mel. And then, so she was originally Melody because she's like our melody, like the melody to our life. And then like the melody to Nate, cause they're like, quote unquote, married. <laughs> <laughs> but then we needed to make her our own because she was an inspiration from something else. And to avoid any kind of um, like copyright conflict, I like completely made her my own. Oh, and wow. so I ac- acronymized her. I don't know how to say that word. <laughs> I gave her like a new purpose, a new direct, like I rebuilt, like I redesigned her everything. So she is ours now, but there's another melody, Kim. <laughs> it just happened. There's another melody. I have to, it's in my shoulders. It's on my heart. So heavy. There's another melody. <laughs> That's amazing. But I love that you're like implementing this in your company and in your system. Yeah. And all you've seen is just positive and just great, like a great connection and a great community when it comes to yeah. AI. Yeah, it's so fun. I mean, AI is so fun, but you have to be careful. I don't know if you've heard about like the whole all the AI art stuff going on. And then people made AI to write essays and then a student made a program which can detect the essays and shut them down. It's just like it's kind of a, a fine line between like using it for fun and then using it for not so good purposes. You know what I mean? Yeah, of course. Absolutely. But I love that we're still right in like the, bro, the I guess, the beginning stages of having AI come into our lives. So yeah. and I think. Yeah, exactly. But I love the idea of if this tool could be able to help diagnose things sooner, if it can also just try to help people come in different directions, try to give them different resources at a quicker and faster pace, then it will probably be just a great asset to just the wellness industry. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Great. So another thing that I wanted, I guess, your expertise on is... It's this thing called lucky girl syndrome. So waiting for this. Yeah. So um, after, you know, looking at social media for those that are listening that are very new to this. So um, there's been a huge fad going around social media called lucky girl syndrome. And what it is, it's it's basically hundreds of thousands of women who are implementing this lifestyle or this idea of telling themselves that they are just the luckiest girl in the world that whatever they are wherever they're located or their status their gender their age that so many people are implementing lucky girl syndrome which is telling themselves that they are just the luckiest person in the world that they are grateful for everything that they have for the position that they're in and 
it's spread all over the internet because so many women are swearing by this by the saying by this i guess syndrome that is creating a massive impact in their mental health and in their overall wellness so i wanted to ask you like how why do you think that this lucky girl syndrome is trending so rapidly and why do you think this is so important for people to know so i <laughs> so when i was doing my own research on this it i had a totally different perception of this in a completely different outlook but now that you explain it I'm like whoa maybe this is different than I thought so when I was researching the way I interpreted lucky girl syndrome was like almost have you heard of like false positivity yes (laughs) that's how I interpreted it and I thought oh my gosh that's really unhealthy but now like when you say it in a different way I'm like wait was I totally wrong? Like, did I totally misinterpret? So, I mean, that just goes to show things. There are so many different meanings and maybe it's both. Who knows? But I think, so the way you described it, I'll focus on that. The way you described it, I think it could be, I think it's beneficial. I think focusing on gratitude and focusing on what is going well and what you're thankful for and what you're lucky to have can have really long-term benefits because it changes the whole outlook on life. I mean, if you walk around constantly thankful, you're going to be thankful. But and if you walk around constantly negative, you're going to be negative. But there is a fine line. Like, you don't want to do it too much because then it can be unhealthy. Yeah, and honestly, when you mentioned that toxic positivity, that was like a great, great observation because there is that other side of this you know telling yourself lucky girl syndrome and constantly doing toxic positivity this is honestly I would like for you to even explore that so what's the fine line when it comes to just saying oh I'm lucky I'm lucky to it turning into toxic positivity because I think people are confused as to how it could be a detriment yeah so I think there's okay so there's a difference between like gratitude I think so for me there's a there's a finite difference between gratitude and this lucky girl syndrome. I think this lucky girl syndrome to me, it feels like just forcing yourself. It's almost like a superstition. It feels like people are forcing themselves to like meditate on these lucky thoughts and grateful thoughts, not because they genuinely feel it, but because, Oh, if I don't do this, then things won't go well. But if I do do this, then they will go well. And it's that's so different than, like, sitting back and saying, yeah, man, like, today was a really good day. I'm really grateful for the people in my life. Like, I personally, ne- I, I would not touch lucky girl syndrome. <laughs> but I do sit down at the end of every day and do a little gratitude. Not really. I used to journal, but I just do a gratitude reflection because that's part of my therapy. And that does make a difference. Like when you take like two, three minutes at the end of each day and say, wow, today was, maybe today was a really bad day, but I have some really great people in my life. So I know it's going to be, be okay. I'm really grateful for them. To me, that's all that's needed. I'm not going to walk around saying, oh my gosh, I have a nice blanket. I have a car. I did a, you know, like I just, that would just, ugh. <laughs> no words. <laughs> no. And I love that. I love that idea of like, Instead of forcing 
all of the positive thoughts, like thoughts in your head that instead turning it into an action of gratitude and being grateful at the end of the day, be like, hey, I actually made it through the end of the day. And that is like more than enough for me to just be grateful for. Yes. And like people, I feel like it's just kind of fake. Mm. I know that's so blunt, but like, keep it real. Yeah. Listen, that's what this podcast is for. Keeping it super real. Yeah, like, don't pretend to be grateful just because it'll be... It's kind of like good karma. Don't, quote-unquote, be grateful so you can get good karma. Be grateful because you're grateful. Mm, I love that. Being grateful can have such a profound impact on people. Like, have you ever had someone say to you, wow, I'm really... It made me feel really good what you did. Thank you. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, absolutely. And it makes everyone feel great whenever you're like, wow, like, I'm so grateful for you. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's amazing. I love that. Yeah, I do. And I think that it's such an awesome perspective on it when it comes to an overall wellness with the mind of like, making sure that you're using positive thoughts not in a way that is causing harm to yourself yeah. and others, but using it that you feel genuinely happy about where you are in the state yes. of your life. Yeah, because this can also lead to depression. Like if you're constantly pretending, it's going to catch up to you. I mean, you're going to sit down and it's going to hit you like a train and you're going to say, wow, none of this is real. Life sucks. <laughs> and I don't want that to happen to anyone. Yeah, of course. It's just finding, it's just making sure that you're doing it in a positive way, in a way that is not harmful or you're not forcing it. Yeah, exactly. Oh my God. This honestly, Mariana, this was amazing. Um, (laughs) uh, This was fantastic. Uh, I just want you to tell everyone where can they find you? Where are the places that you, that they could just look for you? So you can Google search my name (laughs) or you can find me on Instagram. My tag is roboticist Mar and you can find me on Facebook by typing in Mariana Helena and I'm on LinkedIn by the same name and I'm on Twitter. Follow me on Twitter. Yeah. Awesome. I'm, I'm definitely going to put all of the links in the podcast episode and whenever you guys definitely check out Nate Health. This is an amazing, amazing startup. And it has nothing but positive vibes and making sure that your health and your wellness journey, you don't have to go through this alone. And Mariana is here with the research and the resources, all this data and how to help you move forward with this. So Mariana, thank you again so much for taking the time. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Hey, thank you so much for listening to today's podcast episode. I hope it offered some amazing insight for you and your family. And if you liked it, make sure you share it to your friends and family all over the place. And if you like information like this in regards to health and wellness and simple tips that you can use in your day-to-day life, definitely sign up for the newsletter at KimberlyDelarosa.com. Or you could reach me at Twitter, Instagram, Facebook at Kim Delarose. And I'm looking forward to hearing your comments and what you think about the podcast or the episode in general. Stay happy, stay well, and I'll catch you next time. Bye.